Good morning. There's a scene in the movie, The Wizard of Oz, I'm sure you've seen it, where near the end of the movie, uh, the quartet heads back to the Emerald City to get the promised wishes from the great and mysterious Oz. And when they enter the throne room of the great and mysterious Oz, the little dog pulls back the curtain and we see this scrawny little old man who's operating all the pyrotechnics that make Oz look like this great and awesome thing when he's really just a tiny little thing back there manipulating and controlling things but presenting a completely false impression of what's really going on. This morning what I'd like to do before I begin to preach is pull back the curtain and let you see exactly what's going on. Now last Sunday you had a top 10 things not to share sermon, okay? So you would anticipate this Sunday you would get a top 10 things to share sermon, right? And you're going to get that. But you may just think, well, that's a clever little thing. And you may never know, you may never see behind the curtain to see how incredibly critical this is. You may never really understand it. You may hear these 10 things and say, oh, those are nice advices. I should think about that. Maybe that's something I should do. But you will understand how critical it really is. Um, in the back lobby, you there's been for several weeks these pink notebooks that are the annual reports of the Church of the Nazarene. You're welcome to take one and read through all of the accountability statistics that pertain to the church. But in there, you'll find a portion of my report which talks about statistics over a 10-year period. Okay, statistics over a 10-year period. In the last 10 years, how many people have been transferred or moved out of Connecticut to other places that have actually left this congregation because they moved? Let me ask this question. Roughly how many people are attending right now in the aftermath of COVID on a given Sunday? About 85 to 100. Okay, 85 to 100. And there's some people watching online, and our average attendance before COVID was in the 160s range. Okay, just so you have an idea of, of what those numbers are. But over the previous 10 years, 108 people moved out of this congregation and went somewhere else. And I did 61 funerals. Okay, now think about that number. That means if we don't take seriously the work of rebuilding and re-knitting re together the congregation, it's probable that in 10 years, we could cease to exist. It's just that critical. And then all the work that's been done for the sake of the kingdom through this church for the last 120 some years would come to an end. There would be no holiness witness on this property. The work of the kingdom would not go on, all because we thought that pastor's sermon about knitting the fellowship together, that was, that was pleasant, that was convenient, that was nice, that was warm, but it really wasn't critical. It's critical. It's critical. The church of Jesus Christ exists, if you read in Acts chapter 2, because they were together. They shared fellowship together. They prayed together. They gave attention to the apostles' teachings together. They did life together. And if we won't take that seriously, there's every chance that we will cease to exist. And the mission of the kingdom will wane and grow thin and disappear before our eyes. And the treasure that we have is too valuable to allow that to happen. 
too valuable. And the scriptures, they're not like hard to find in talking about these things, right? The scriptures, if you have spending any time in your Bible, you know what they say about how critically important it is for us to practice hospitality, to knit, well, maybe you don't know, and maybe you need me to read them to you. Luke 14, 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 1 Peter 4.8 Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Matthew 25, 34, 6. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by the Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. I was a stranger, I needed clothes, I was sick, I was in prison, and you acted. Romans 15, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Listen, may the God who gives endurance and encourage give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ had. So in the way that Christ loved us, we should love one another, have the same attitude of mind towards one another. Verse 7, Romans 15, verse 7, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So, so after reading these passages and ruminating on them and thinking about the advices that are given here and throughout scriptures, there are 10 things that I want to admonish you to take seriously today. These are strong and specific guidance for developing a Christian lifestyle. Now here's the problem, and here's what COVID has done with us. The problem is this. It's so ironic, I'm preaching this on July 4th, right? Independence Day, and what I'm going to tell you is, in the kingdom of God, we are dependent. We are dependent on Christ, and we are dependent on one another, and that is the model of Christian faith for us. We're not about independence. We are about dependence. The American dream doesn't help us here. The American dream seems to want us to 
consistently isolate and provide for ourselves so we can lay back and relax in the isolation of our own home. And COVID has reinforced that for us. It has made us more isolated and more independent. And so the whole societal trend is towards independence. And if we don't strike a blow against us, we're going to be swept away with the tide. But that's not who we are, and that's not who the church of Jesus Christ ever was meant to be. We are a kingdom. We are a fellowship. We've been drawn together for the purposes of God to demonstrate his love to the entire society. That's everyone. And if you can't do it in here, you can't do it out there. And if your whole goal is to be independent and self-sustaining, candidly, you're of no use to the kingdom of God. And I don't know why he bothers with you. It's just that critical. It is just that critical. So here's 10 things you should consider. I'm not saying you can do all of them, but I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will wiggle into your brain right now and irritate you enough to get you off the couch and to do some of these things. I would encourage you, one of the 10th place top things to share is share a song. Even if you can't sing, you can share a song that helps you. Online services make looking up songs easy. YouTube provides the soundtrack of our lives, or Pandora, or Spotify, or Bandcamp. I don't know which you want to use. Share a song. If there's a new song or an old song, share it, tell about it. Sharing songs is sharing worship, it's sharing perspective, it's sharing life, it's sharing stories. Share a song. Nine, share your positive experience, especially when it is similar to something that a friend is about to experience. You had knee replacement surgery? Offer encouragement and the tricks that helped you. You had a kid get five stitches in their forehead. You had trouble getting car insurance. Your family of origin left a lot to be desired. You just lost a parent. Remember, you don't have to share every grisly detail. Since you really can't be certain that your experience and their experience are exactly alike. But if you will listen more than you talk, if you will attempt to honestly identify and have hope and positive advice to offer, well, you can make a difference. And if your advice isn't wanted, and that's the way it is sometimes, you smile and walk away with a blessing on your lips. You know, there's something really exciting about the, the possibility of saying to someone, I know what you're going through, when you really do know what they're going through. But I would advise you, don't say I know what you're going through when you don't. Okay, that's never helpful. The eighth thing to share is share attention. I'm not simply saying don't try to always be the center of attention. I'm saying give attention to others. Shine the spotlight on the good things you see others doing. Praise in public. And then also give attention specifically to those who need it. Teens, children, folks who are lonely. Give them your full attention. Show interest in what others are doing. Bend down and talk to little kids. If you share attention, it will make a difference in the lives of those you share it with. Seven, share recipes. 
And I'm not simply talking about your recipe for raspberry pie, which is a very good thing to share, by the way, uh, or the pie itself. Uh, I'm talking about uh, your recipe for encouragement, your recipe for listening, your recipe for praying for others, for intercession, your recipe for family harmony. If you talk about those things with others, you can share strategies on how you go about life, how you do this, how you do that. Those things will really make a difference in people's life. I mean, a recipe is simply a plan that you follow, but it's a tested plan, right? You don't, you don't give someone a recipe for blueberry pie and say, I've never made this. I've never tried it. In fact, I just came up with this while I was sleeping and thought it might make sense. No, the recipe you share is one you've tested, you've tried, it's delicious, it's better than three others you've tried. And so it's a tried and tested process. This is a recipe I share occasionally from people who come who tell me their minds are racing and they can't distract themselves from some really difficult thing. And the recipe I give them is, I pull out the Bible, I open the Psalms and say, here's four or five different Psalms, memorize two or three sentences from these psalms. And when your mind is racing and you can't skip to another track, begin to recite this psalm. Recite it again and again and again till your blood pressure lowers and your pulse steadies and your mind is fixed on Jesus again and your hope is restored and the promises of God are good. That's a recipe that I share because it works for me. And so when I'm nervous or tense about something, I've got a couple verses that I begin to share. Or a verse of a hymn that I begin to sing in my mind, and it switches my attention and helps me to move forward. I've been singing the hymn Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure, gives unto each day what he deems best. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. That helps me. That reorients my thinking and reminds me that the promise I have of God is for strength for today. So chill out, Whitney. You'll be okay. He'll give you all the strength you need for today, and tomorrow we'll worry about that again because I have the promise of renewed strength for tomorrow. I can rely on that. That's a recipe that I can share. So I encourage you, in addition to the raspberry pie recipe, share recipes. Share your resources. This is number six. In addition to sharing your resources with family members, look for ways to meet the needs of others, whether that is financially, materially, or the sharing of possessions. Got a boat? Got a pool? Got a garden? Got a pickup truck? Got a special skill? Share them as you are able. As you share your possessions and share your resources, you acknowledge that you are a steward of them and that all that we have is owned by God. When we keep them to ourselves, we're tempted to believe they're just ours, but they're not. They're gifts of God given for the building up of the community. 
Share your resources. Share comfort, number five. In times of loss and grief, people need to know that others care and that others are paying attention. Grief needs to be shared in order to be endured. And most folks shy away from grieving folks because they're afraid of saying the wrong things. But it really isn't all that hard to ask how a person is feeling and then to spend time listening. There really isn't that much need to speak. Sometimes we get ourselves all worked up about what you say to a person who's grieving and because we can't deal with our own discomfort, we just withdraw and leave them alone. And then they're isolated. And that's exactly the opposite of what we want to have happen. The best way to encounter and to help folks with grief is to be present to the extent that they're comfortable. Now, if they say, I really want to be left alone right now, please leave. If they say, I really, I'd really like to be quiet now, then please shut up. Let them direct the interaction. But continue to show up so that there are opportunities for interaction and speaking and listening. And if you are not the one grieving, listen more than you speak. Sharing comfort matters. We're told in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 11, that some of the things that we are comforted with in the difficulties in our lives give us the ability to comfort others. And it's God's desire that we comfort others with the comfort that we've received. So we know it's God's will for us to comfort one another in difficult times. Please, please, please don't disappear when your friends are in grief. Step up, make a difference. Number four is share a listening ear. This goes closely with sharing comfort. Those who are great comforters are great listeners. However, however, listeners are needed in situations far beyond the realm of grieving. When people need to make decisions, they need folks to talk to, to process with. When folks are in trouble, they need friends to help them sort things out. When kids are headed to college, they need a listening ear. There are lots of situations where folks just want someone to bounce ideas off of. And if you are present in their lives and available and have demonstrated that you have a listening ear, they'll feel free to call on you. Now here's something odd about this share listening ear category. And it's most of the time you can't volunteer to be a listening ear. Did you know that? You can't just say, well, I'll be a listening ear. What, what you do, the way this works is you just start listening. And then over time, by the way you give attention to people, by the way you stay off your cell phone when they're talking to you, by the way you resist the text beep that just happened in your pocket, and you attend to the person in front of you, you develop a habit of being understood to be a listener. And if you develop that habit so that people expect you to listen to them, then they will call on you when they need someone to listen to you. So, so being a listener requires you to develop the pattern of being a listener first, and then you will be invited into all kinds of conversations if you demonstrate a willingness to listen. And so how does it start? You listen. 
you give attention to the people in front of you. You ask questions about how people are feeling when they start to share with you. Then you marry your experience when appropriate with the listening and it becomes a powerful combination. Number three, share your home. This is a COVID-inspired category. I'm not just saying the resource of your home. I'm talking about that scripture that I read real loud, practice hospitality. Did you hear that in the scripture? That wasn't like a Whitney writing. That was, that was right there in the word. Don't miss the instruction of Jesus in this matter. Did you hear that whole thing about when you hold a banquet, don't invite your best rich buddy, hoping that they'll invite you back to their house so you can swim in their pool? But rather, invite those who don't have the opportunity to reciprocate? And, and I wonder how it would change the nature of our fellowship if when we decided we wanted to invite people in our home, we asked a replacement question to the one we typically ask. I mean, we typically ask, who can we invite over, who will be fun, who will play the games you want to play, who will be easy to conversation, who will make this night relaxing and fun? What if rather than we asking those sets of questions, we ask this question? Who most needs to come to our home tonight? Who most needs us to reach out to them and invite them in? Who most needs someone to cook a home-cooked meal for them? Who most needs to eat some raspberry pie? Who, who needs that that I know around me? Now, you understand if I say share your home and I say who needs that, if you don't have some type of connection with the folks in the body of Christ, you can't even begin to answer the question, right? Because you've already so isolated yourself, you've already become so independent, you have no idea who needs it. And so implied in this share your home piece is knowing folks well enough to know who might need this. And then inviting into your home those who most need the encouragement and fellowship that would come from being in your home. Now, I'm not saying that's the only question you can ask. There's plenty of time to have folks who play the games you like, who watch the same sports teams that you follow. There's plenty of time for all of that too. But it can't all be this. There ought to be a balance, right? There ought to be some of this are my best friends come over and some of these folks who are barely my friends who need to be my friends. And somehow between the two, we find a balance and we, and we knit this fellowship together. Number two, share encouragement. No matter how you do it, be a person of encouragement and share it frequently. I think those words from Romans 15, 5 that I read earlier are very powerful. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. And when he says what Christ Jesus had, in his mind, he's thinking that whole Philippians 2 kenosis stuff, God who emptied himself came to earth for us, condescended to our level so that he could enrich us, who took on the pain and suffering of the cross just for us. And he's saying, we should have the same mind as Christ had for us for one another. 
That's a huge thing. We should be so invested in the success of one another, in the encouragement of one another, that we take the idea of encouraging each other very, very seriously. Jesus, the ultimate encourager and enabler, is the one who is our example. And so we must take that seriously. Number one, at the top of the list, share your time. This is perhaps our most valuable commodity these days. Before you're willing to share anything else, you must decide that sharing your time is an investment worth considering. If you think that your time is more valuable than anyone else's, you'll never share it. If you believe that your time is surrendered to God and that your time is at his disposal, then all kinds of sharing possibilities come onto the table. I'm wondering how much time on a weekly basis are you willing to share? How much are you willing to invest in others? Take a look at your schedule. Figure out how much time you spend doing the things you're currently doing and then consider how much of your time others might need. I think this is a prayer issue. You may not know anyone right now who knows who needs or wants your time. But I'm convinced that if you start to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, who needs my time? Who needs my attention? He is expert at filling in those blanks. He will make you sensitive to the needs of people around you. He will point out to you who you need to share with. He will help you do this because this is his mission. He's already doing this all through us and it's just a matter of whether we will listen as Samuel was told to do, to speak and pledge to listen to the Father. You know, this is, this is integral to who we are as members of the church of the Nazarene. I mean, our forefather is John Wesley. And John Wesley reminds us again and again and again that we were never designed to walk the road to heaven alone, but we were supposed to be walking in twos and threes and groups together because we encourage one another when the road gets difficult and we process together as a community. And so this is, this is who we are as a church. This is, this is why we exist, to, to pursue the great goals of the kingdom of God, the compassion, the justice, the mercy, all of those things together as a community. And we just can't do it with any sense of integrity one by one. Really, at the end of the day, this issue comes down to the same issue as last Sunday. This is Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. I had a pastor friend of, me, of mine tell me that the word sincere has an analogy in the original language, and sincere means without wax. And the story is this. In the ancient market, if a pot had a crack in it, they would fill it with wax, couldn't see it, and they'd sit it out in the marketplace. Uh, and sometimes the sun would get hot enough and the wax would melt and the crack would be revealed. Sincerity is seeing it for what it really is without any wax on it. And if the scriptures are telling us to make sure our love is sincere, our willingness to do any of this sharing will come down to whether the spirit of love dwells in our hearts. Right? It's a heart issue again. It's not an examination of our external performance. It's do we love the folks around us enough 
to provide what we believe they need and know they need? Do we love them enough to care enough deeply about them to make a difference in their lives? And if we don't love them enough, then it's time to pray, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. Fill me with your love for others. Give me a sense of your love for others so that I can have the same attitude towards these others around me that you have for them. It's a fresh touch of the spirit issue. It is a rekindling of the heart of love issue in us. If we're going to be able to knit this fellowship together again. And, and you understand why I feel it's so critical. I mean, the society is dragging us away from this. COVID is dragging it away from us. COVID crushed our fellowship. It isolated us. And we must fight back from that. If love is going to be sincere, honest, then we will pray that the Spirit will fill us and give us his love for others. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. I want you to hear that last phrase again. Use the gift you have received as faithful stewards of God's grace. So that means the grace of God can be issued through you. You can be an ambassador of the grace of God. You can bless others. You can be God's gracious gift to others if you will simply use the gifts with which you have been entrusted. That's all it is. It's purpose, purposefully choosing to practice hospitality, to share, to listen, to give attention, to honestly and sincerely love one another. Remember, we have received a high calling and we're invited to live worthy of the high calling that we've received. It's as if God were making his appeal through you, which he is. And that appeal is not just the Roman road to salvation or step up to God or a new way to enter the kingdom. That appeal is through your practice of hospitality, which is a part of the bridge that the message of Jesus Christ would like to cross. Will you? Will you? Will you be the servant of others? And now may the spirit of Christ so unite us that our fellowship would be engaging and captivating and would result in healing in the community around us to the glory of God. Amen.